Well, at this time, I'd like to bring up our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source, as he brings our midweek message. Thank you, Tom. Um, let's thank God for the team that came together. What am I, camel? <laughs> uh, give it up for the worship team that was here tonight. Amen. Awesome. Um, they came together last minute notice. Uh, yesterday, I decided it was time to have communion on Wednesday night because some of you are not here on the, on the weekends. And so uh, we thought every once in a while we'd like to have communion. And I said, it's great to have communion and to have worship Amen. to kind of get us in that place of, of respect and honor and reverence. And uh, John Biller, thank you, brother. Thank you for, and all the rest that were up there tonight, Victor, and Megan, and Erica. I don't know if they're here. I'm trying to look for them. But many of you, many of you, there you go. Many of you really don't know the history that I have with this man. Um, he was most likely there the night that I got born again, 38 years ago. He was on the worship team at that church, and eventually, uh, you were the worship leader for probably more years than you were just on the team. So seeing you up here tonight leading worship on that keyboard brought back such memories. And uh, the Bible said, yeah, go ahead. Now, the Bible says the faithful man shall abound in blessings. And, man, that is a faithful, faithful guy. And, uh, John, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here. And we thank God for you and for the rest of the team, too. Amen? So, so what are we doing here tonight? We're going to take communion at the end of the service. But I never like to have communion and just have communion. Because um, if you're like me, you were raised in a denomination where we had communion every time we came together, but none of us understood what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. You, know? you heard some bells ring. You got a little cracker. Uh, I'm not, listen to me, I'm not mocking anybody. I'm just, I could talk about it because that's the background I came from. You know, those of you that came out of that background, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I never knew what communion was until I was 27 years old. I really didn't understand. But the first time, the first time I was taught what communion, what actually took place during communion, I was like, oh, my God. You mean to tell me I could have got born again 20 years before if somebody would have explained to me two things, the Apostles' Creed and communion. That's all you need. That's all you need. And so it made such an impact on me that um, we never, in this church, in 25 years that we've been in existence, Never do we just have communion and throw it on the end of a service. When we have communion, we spend time preparing our hearts. And so tonight, we're going to prepare our hearts in the sense of having a reverence for the presence of God and what the presence of God can do for us in our lives. I don't know if you realize this, but just a few seconds in the presence of God could undo things and heal us of things that we have been going through for decades. Just, well, we used to sing an old song years ago, Just One Dose of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Actually, this song went, Just One Dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. And it's not. But just one dose of the presence of God at specific times in our lives can just snap chains, can just pull us out of, 
pull us out of anybody ever ever found themselves in a funk just like what the heck is going on can pull you out of that the presence of god makes all the difference and i hope that you'll stick with me in your hearts tonight as we as we go through this as we prepare our hearts for communion i want to start out talking about uh something that happened a few years ago in oklahoma you know every every year honestly around this time there's tornado outbreaks. And we lived there for two years while we were going to Bible school. And it's the weirdest thing to see the sky turn like aqua green and, um, you know, see these clouds. It's the weirdest thing to sit in front. Anybody ever live in the Midwest? Uh, yeah. And you're watching TV and all of a sudden, eh, 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 And it tells you, if you're living on this block or between that block and this block, take cover now. And you're like, <laughs> so it can be traumatic. And so... Um, a few years ago in Oklahoma, they were, they were suffering another one of those horrific tornado outbreaks. And in one small town, it seemed like the tornado or the twister was intentionally heading for the town's middle school. Middle school. You might have read about this because it was on national news. Thankfully, everyone at the school that day survived, but one teacher had this to share. She said, I was in a bathroom stall with four children huddled underneath her. And one student said, I love you. Please don't let me die here with you today. I love you, but I don't want to die with you. <laughs> when asked by the reporter what she did, what she did next, the teacher said, I did what teachers are not supposed to do. I prayed, and I prayed out loud. Amen. 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 The presence of God will keep you. Now, today, I mean, from the Ukraine, we're hearing a miraculous deliverances as the Ukrainian people are calling out on the name of Jesus. It's amazing how we instinctively know where to turn um, when the end, well, it looks like the end is near. So <clears throat> sometimes it doesn't have to be a national calamity. Sometimes we could be going through our own stuff. And it might not impact others, but it may be something that imp impacts our hearts and uh, challenges us to trust God. It challenges us to get into the presence of God. And, you know, just if you live long enough, you're going to go through things. Amen? Amen? And sometimes they come on top of each other, like one right after each other. So we have hope, and we have hope right from the mouth of our Savior. You know, it's amazing how the familiar passages of Scripture that we read over and over again, you see them on Facebook, people post them. You may see them on T-shirts, all this other stuff. But when you're going through something, that's when it seems like they mean the most. So John 16, verse 33 says that Jesus is speaking. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Peace in me. Where is that peace going to be? In him. In him. Amen? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Did you hear what Jesus said? I want to read it again, because this is one of those scriptures. Yeah, 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 I know this. Yeah. And it might not mean much until you're sitting in the emergency room. It might not mean much until you have to go to the funeral home to make arrangements for a loved one. It might not mean much until you find out you lost your job, your business is in trouble. Amen. Then all of a sudden, those, these scriptures take on a whole new meaning. Amen. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Where's the peace going to get found? In him. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, 
because I have overcome the world. And we, some of us might say, well, that's good for you, Jesus. You overcame the world. But we're in him. Listen, don't, don't lose that. That is a reality of Christian life. We are in him. And the only reason why we have a relationship with the Father is because we are in him. You really want to get technical about it and, and maybe legal about it. You and I really don't have a relationship with the Father. We have a relationship with him through Christ. When he sees us, he sees Jesus. Amen? Amen? So there's a promise that we have for peace and for strength that's only found in him. And tonight, we're gathered here together to prepare our hearts to take communion together. But to take communion together, because I, I, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know, I know, because we're still alive and we're on planet Earth, there were many individuals tonight that came here tonight with challenges, came here tonight burdened, came here tonight possibly facing some things that you'd never faced before, Okay. But I want us to receive communion and take communion together from that standpoint of having reverence for his presence, not in a mood of desperation. If we're trusting God, we don't get desperate. Come on. If we're truly trusting God, there is no reason for us to get desperate because he knows or he knew what you were going through before he flung the stars into place. He knew you were going to be going through this. He knew you'd be facing this challenge. He knew that. All he's waiting for you to do is to resist the temptation to panic. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Resist the temptation to panic and put your trust in the Lord. Well, it seems like he's taking longer than he should. That, that has nothing to do with it. In his eyes, it's already done. So in your eyes, it should be already done. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But the Holy Spirit does. Trust him. Trust him. Take, take refuge in that, in that presence. So now listen, many of you know my story. You've heard it before. I come from a background of, of a lot of life-controlling insecurities, fear, anxiety, but there was always this one scripture that I would go to, especially in my early days when I didn't know many more scriptures. It's Philippians 4.13. I can do, you want to say it with me? Ready? One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, there's another translation. I believe it's one of the amplified translations that says it this way. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me from within with power. That's a good one. Because now you see, what, you, see what, you see where it's going? He infuses me from where? Within. Within. That means there's no separation between me and him. Paul got a hold of this. He wrote in Romans chapter 8, there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Are you listening? And listen, I don't know about you, unless you lived in a cave over the past two and a half, three years, this has been a crazy world. And I got news for you, it's getting crazier. I don't know if you notice. Anybody notice it? It's getting wacky. It's getting crazy. And so if you're not aware of carrying his presence on the inside, you may be tempted to feel once in a while like isolated. Or you may hear it come out of your mouth, where's God in this whole situation? He's right where he's always been. 
Right? His spirit's in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't take off and leave. Now, he might, he might go off into a, a room by himself once in a while because maybe you, you know, you got yourself involved in some things that d- displease him, but he doesn't leave. How many are grateful he doesn't leave? How many are grateful he deals with us? Amen? Now, in the face of extreme difficulty, hardship, insecurity, we have to train ourselves to speak out, to speak that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. None of us want to talk about the times, though, when we weren't able to do all things. I'm talking about the times when we try to do it on our own strength. The times when we try to force things. The times when we try to make deals with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Making deals with God? Thank God he never had to sign anything. (laughs) We'd be in big trouble. So um, I learned a really great lesson about this. It came at a time when I didn't overcome. I didn't choose to tap into the Jesus on the inside of me who infuses me with strength. My wife might remember this. Quite a number of years ago, this scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, kept coming to me in a dream over and over and over again. And it started on the first night of a short vacation that we took when we went to Virginia Beach. Do you remember that? I think Mark and Lindy were with us. And we were going down. We were so looking forward to go down there, so looking forward to spending time on the beach. And it rained all week. And I did not handle it well. And you don't want to be around me when I don't handle things well. I pace I can get cranky. Somebody said, no, not pastor. (laughs) So I really thought that the Lord was preparing me to make it through this week full of clouds. The wind, the rain, there's nothing worse when you're in an oceanfront condo. You look outside and you expect to see the beautiful blue water all you're seeing is gray, mist, drizzle. The wind is hitting you right in the face when you go out on the balcony. What a wonderful. And, and then the kicker is you had to pay for this for a whole week. <laughs> so at one point, then I realized I'm making life miserable for her and for everybody else that was with us. And uh, I said to her, listen, uh, I need some time alone. Go shop, go do something. Because she lit up. I said, I need some alone time. And uh, obviously, I got alone, and I got to Philippians chapter 4. And um, it's a really familiar verse of Scripture. And I kept placing the emphasis on I can do all things. When Paul really, in truth, was pointing to, wanted the emphasis on Christ more than on, on me. And that's when we miss it sometimes. We, do, we, we get the, 
I can do, I can do all things through Christ. Where it should be, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4, but I want to start in verse 12. This is Paul talking, and, and he made me feel really ashamed that day. This is what he said. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to it in the Living Translation. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about preparing our hearts tonight regarding the presence of God. And there's, I don't think there's a greater time that we experience the presence of God than the times when we think we're alone, on our own, by ourselves, with no help. Listen to the Living Translation. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret. In, in, in the King James translation, it said, in all things I have learned. In the Living Translation, it said, I have learned the secret. So obviously there's a secret that not everyone knows. If something's a secret, that means not everybody knows about it, right? I learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And that week, I had to learn how to be content even without sunshine. And I was really looking forward to coming back with a tan. So, you know, everybody goes, oh, man, where you been? You look really good. You got a tan. And I came back looking like a flounder. <laughs> Message trans... Who snorted? <laughs> I hope they picked that up on tape. (laughs) Listen to the message translation. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. This is cool. I found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one, capital O, who makes me who I am. That is so good. That's so good. So New King James said, I've learned. Living Translation said, learned the secret. Message says, I found the recipe. So... And, sh- and shut in in that, in that week in a ninth-floor oceanfront condo that should have been flooded with sunshine, I realized the secret, and that's what I want to share with you tonight. Contentment does not come from doing, but contentment, but the contentment that is found in a person, not in an accomplishment, but in a person. Our contentment, our sense of security, our sense of fulfillment, Our sense of stability is not going to come because we accomplish some great thing. It's going to come because we recognize who lives in us. The very one who went to the cross on our our behalf. The very one who suffered everything that hell could throw at him so that he would have a relationship with us and that together we would have a relationship with the Father. Amen? 
Paul understood that contentment comes from Jesus. Here's a man that went through so much hell in his life to preach the gospel. Here he is being the, the lead guy in Jerusalem. He's persecuting the church, locking up Christians. His very first experience is standing there while the very first martyr of the church, Stephen, is executed, being stoned to death. And he's holding, and he, this is out of his own mouth, he's holding the cloaks, the robes of the men who killed Stephen. And I believe there was something that triggered Saul's life and put him in a completely different direction than what his life had been previous. He heard Stephen say, I see the heavens open and I see the son of God. And then, he, then as they're, they're killing him, they're stoning him, he's being crushed with heavy stones. He cries out, Lord, do not hold this against their account. Now, that's got to do something to you. I don't care how cold-hearted you are, how, how bitter you become, how much you think you're right, but to hear a person that you are there giving consent to a, a person being executed, and, and all they want to say, their last words are the same words that Jesus uttered from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I can only imagine the presence of God that Stephen experienced in those last few moments. Probably didn't even feel the stones crushing him. And the presence of God just enveloped him and led him to heaven. Paul understood that contentment comes from Jesus. Because I believe to the extent that he persecuted the church is to the extent that he became devoted to the church. And in Paul's case, that's a lot. He said, I can be content when I'm full. I can be content when I'm hungry. I can be content with much. I, be, I can be content with little. Paul's saying, my strength doesn't come from a full belly or accomplishing much. My strength comes from Christ who strengthens me from within. Now think about this. Paul begins to travel all over the Roman Empire. And he suffers. He suffers hardship in traveling. He suffers from hunger, thirst, threats of murder, imprisonment. He, he's in prison for years because he knew the presence of the Lord gave him strength to do all things. He could tolerate being in prison. He could tolerate being forgotten about for at least a couple of years at one point, as it's described for us in the book of Acts. It just left him in jail. Administrations changed. They left him in jail. And then at the end, where he should have been released, he makes an appeal to go to Rome to, to talk to Caesar, to present his case to Caesar, and which led to his martyrdom, his execution. But what he accomplished all through this time, he did it because the presence of God he knew was with him. And that got him through every hardship. And let me tell you something, okay? You're going to go through things in life I don't know what it is. Even unbelievers sometimes will make accusations. Like, oh, you Christians. Oh, you're going through the same stuff we go through. We might be going through the same stuff they go through, but we're not going through it alone. <laughs> big difference. Turn to somebody and say, big difference. <laughs> we're going to go through things, okay? That's fine. But I, I would rather go through things knowing 
He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. There's nothing that can separate him, separate me from his love. Nothing in the past, nothing in the present. Not, not, no devil, no angel, no, no demon. Man, you get that deep inside you. You'll go, hey, go ahead, throw your best at me. It's not going to work. I remember, I remember one time, and, and I'm not going to drag this out tonight because as soon as I feel like you know, we're prepared, we'll take communion. Um, in the midst of bankruptcy, we, went, we had to file for bankruptcy in 1990, right? September 1990. And um, this was before it, went, it was fashionable. Um, <laughs> yeah, the laws were different. I mean, you, you, went through, you went through some things when you went into bankruptcy back then. Um, and I remember telling a family member, I said, I know what it feels like that Jesus was, had to go to the cross completely stripped of everything. We see these pictures that have been painted for 2,000 years or 1,400 years, whatever it is. And, you know, Jesus always said, looks like, you know, the little loincloth. That's not how they executed people. They wanted to not only suffer, they wanted them to not only suffer physically, they wanted them to suffer humiliation. Jesus went to the cross, carried the cross through Jerusalem, completely stark naked. When they beat him, he was completely stark naked. And having come to, and of course, you know, me saying that I know what it feels like, obviously I can't know exactly what it feels like. But I was talking to a family member, and I, you know, and they knew we were losing the business, we were going to lose our house, we were losing vehicles. We were just getting wiped out of everything. And we were okay. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe you can't. It was okay. It was because I said, and I think I even said this to one of our attorneys that was handling the situation. They can take everything we have, but they can never take Jesus from us. And I'll tell you what, I don't recommend that you go through that process. I wouldn't pray to God, you know, let me go through hard times and go into bankruptcy. But you know what? You find out what you really believe in those times. You find out the goodness of your God during those times. You find out how precious his presence is during that time. It's like a house. Well, we're so sorry. We're so sorry you're losing your house. It's just a bunch of two-by-fours arranged in a certain way. They make them all the time. But you see, we get so... Um, Thank you. Attached. We get so attached to things. We get so attached to possessions. We get so attached to vehicles and cars and property and all this other kind of stuff. We get so attached to financial security. We get so attached to those things, but they're never a substitute for the presence of God. And Paul's saying, look, I know what it's like to be in good shape financially. I mean, I, he probably lived in a palace in Jerusalem. He's hanging around with all the religious big shots before he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And there was a certain neighborhood in Jerusalem where all the palaces, all the mansions were. That's where, what do you think? That's where all the religious people lived. That's where all the Pharisees, all the priests, all the, they lived in. And I'll guarantee you, he lived in a nice house. Probably had nice things, ate, nice, ate the best, you know. When everybody else was buying Walmart gefilte fish, he's buying, <laughs> what is it, Wegmans? 
Is it Weg Wegmans? Right? What is it? Gourmet glot. Gourmet glot. There you go. You know what I'm saying? So now he goes from that lifestyle to being stripped from everything. He goes from being the boss who calls the shots, yet in Damascus, he, he was so humiliated, they find out that there's a plot in his life, and they have to lower him in a basket over the wall. I would have been freaking out. You could have put me in a what? You're going to lower me with a rope from all the way up there? And he had to flee for his life. Here's the guy who was giving orders, now having to run for his life. And then, on to top it all off, most of the original apostles, they didn't even want to talk to this guy. They're like, Saul, I'm not talking to him. This guy will kill you. They didn't believe that he had experienced being born again. They didn't believe that he got filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't believe that the one who was persecuting the church was now preaching the gospel. And so he has to, he has to go. He's got to flee. He's got to go. He's got to leave the area. And they, and, and they lower him in a basket. How humiliating. But he learned the lesson of the presence of God to the point where you know, you, you, if you've read the book of Acts, he goes to a town. Everybody's happy he's there. Uh, revival breaks out. Everybody's getting born again. And next week, they want to stone him to death. Every place he went. That gets tiring. gets old. You know, I don't know if I'd stick with it. If every time I come up on the pulpit, people are throwing tomatoes at me, <laughs> telling me they want to kill me, got to sneak me out of here in a banana box from the pantry. <laughs> I think, I think, don't you think that we get old quick? Yet he keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going. Why? Because he had the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God said to him, nothing's going to happen to you to harm you. He should have went, um, do you want to say that again? Because listen to Jesus. Because Jesus said, well, he got, he got beat up. Jesus said, nothing will happen to you to harm you. He didn't say nothing was going to happen. It's just, you're not going to die like this, okay? So he goes, he took, Jesus said, you go preach the gospel. You go do what I told you to do. My grace is sufficient for you. Because when you're weak, then you're strong, okay? And so he goes and goes and goes. Now, it comes to a point then when you know the story, he's involved in a shipwreck. He's literally on the way to Rome to go present his case to Caesar, and um, he's getting wisdom from the Holy Ghost, and he goes to the captain of the ship and says, uh, I wouldn't take off if I was you. This, this, I already know, Spirit of God, show me that this trip is going to come with much harm, much loss. Okay? Of course, people don't listen to you. And so they go on this trip, and, and I think, if I have my figures right, I think for 14 days, this hurricane batters them through the Mediterranean. All the way, and they finally are shipwrecked on the island of Malta, or right off the coast of the island of Malta. But the Lord spoke to him and told him, you're going to be okay. You've got to go present your case to Caesar. You listening to me? Now, listen, that confidence didn't come overnight. That confidence came from a life that he lived up until that point of trusting God, of persevering, 
Most of all, and this is the point I want to get to tonight, most of all, it came from having a reverence, counting it precious, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And you know, we know Jesus is coming, right? Some of you do. You know Jesus is coming, right? And hopefully uh, he can't come soon enough, you know? But you know what? We may still see a couple of things on the earth that are going to go crazy while we're here. Now, I don't believe we're going through the tribulation. I don't think it doesn't doesn't even follow the character of God. We've already been told that through Christ we've been saved from the wrath to come, okay? So, but, but watch, it didn't say we still wouldn't see some things. And, and we've got to prepare our hearts now so that if calamity comes, let me, let me repeat, let me, let me rephrase that. When calamity comes and the church is still here on the earth, that we don't fall to pieces. Amen. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will there be faith on the earth? He said, will I find faith on the earth? And so you don't develop faith when you're in the middle of a crisis. You develop faith. You practice the lifestyle of his presence when you're, when you're relatively in peaceful times. Amen? You don't, you don't call up the company to put an alarm system when somebody's busting through the window. Yes or no? You, you make sure you're prepared ahead of time. So let's develop that lifestyle of reverence. Um, worship team, want to come up? Let's develop that lifestyle of reverence for his presence. We can do all things through Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Prince of Peace, our healer, our deliverer, our victory. Amen? Amen. We can go through whatever we need to go through as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus. And um, listen, don't miss this, this weekend coming up because uh, this part three of this series on DNA, uh, our identity in Christ, part three, is going to set some stuff that's really going to come together. Amen? Amen. So we're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to prepare our hearts. Now, let me just say this before we go into communion or go into worship. Listen, the whole thing about life is this. Are you preparing is, is, are in your life that you're living on a regular basis, daily, every day, are you preparing for your eternity? Okay, now I'm not saying are you doing good things so that God, you know, when you die, God's going to pull this book out and say, oh, I see that you gave this much money and you, you made this many cookies for people and you, you know, whatever good deeds, you, that's not how you prepare. You prepare for eternity by making a declaration publicly of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no good things that you can do to earn heaven. Now, once we have a relationship with Jesus, we should be doing good things, right? Because we know that there's a reward system in heaven and not everybody's going to get the, there's no participation trophies in heaven. You, you get what you earn, okay? But that's after salvation. So I don't want to assume tonight that there's people here that everybody has made that kind of commitment to the Lord Jesus.
I don't want to assume that. So what I want to ask you is this. And we're going to do this a little bit different tonight. While we're singing, and you might as well stand up. While we're singing, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, if you have never declared your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he went to the cross on your behalf, died on your behalf, went to hell on your behalf, rose again from the dead so that you can have eternal life. If you've never made a public, well, pastor, yeah, I know these things. I believe these things. Yes, but have you ever made a declaration from your mouth and made it official? This is what I believe. This is who I am. And that's what the Bible tells us that we need to do in order to receive salvation. Now, thank God he didn't demand that we make some payment or or some type of other pilgrimage. All he's asking is for your heart. All he's ever wanted from mankind is our heart. All he's ever wanted is our trust, our confidence in him. I think he deserves it. So at some point in this song, when we're singing, if you've never up until this point in your life said a simple prayer like, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my savior. Be my Lord. At some point during the song, just say that right where you're at. Just say it. Just, just allow your lips to just form those words and express the faith and the belief that you have in your heart. The Bible tells us whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Let's thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you opened up the way for us. Thank you, God. We're so grateful. Thank you for your presence. Can you say that, please? Just say that with me. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living inside me. Thank you, Jesus, that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, by faith, we believe your presence is here with us, Father. And I pray right now that every one of us in this room would experience the presence of the Holy Spirit right now in a way that you've never, never, never experienced before. The reality of his presence in our lives. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you reveal yourself you reveal your son, you reveal your spirit to each and every one of us, Father, in a fresh, new, in a fresh, new way. Hallelujah, we praise you, God. Come on, let's lift our hands up to him. Thank you, Father. We reverence you, we honor you. We lift our hands to bless you, Father. You're always blessing us. 
Tonight, we bless you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid it all. All of our debt, all of our sin, for all of our mistakes, all of our failures. We just thank you that in you, they just melt away. Blessing and honor and glory, power and thanksgiving belong to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab a hold of the communion cup that was on your seat there and just peel off that film on top. Now, if you've never been here with us for communion, we take communion together as one big church family. We follow the pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to bless the bread, um, and then we're going to take it together. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for this. I thank you that this bread represents the body, the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we recognize that this bread is without leaven, without any type of yeast, Lord God, as that's symbolic of sin in the Bible, Lord. And Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world, is without spot, without blemish, without sin, holy, separated unto you, Father. And we're so honored and so privileged to be able to come together tonight and to do this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he suffered physically for us. We thank you for your blessing upon this bread. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go right ahead. You'll take hold of that cup and peel back that foil. Church, what an honor, what a privilege it is for us to come together and to remember the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he allowed his body to be pierced, how he allowed... the crown of thorns to just pierce his skull. Father, it seems that he was intent to spill and to shed as much blood as possible because he knew that it was the blood of the Son of God that would cleanse us from our sins. So, Lord, we see how much you love us. Thank you. This cup represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us. We receive it with thanksgiving tonight, remembering all that Jesus did, memorializing all that he did, and saying thank you tonight. And we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go right ahead. Thank you for coming out tonight. Before we, before we dismiss, let me just uh, say one thing about the event that's coming up in the end of May, May 22nd. Those of you that are 60 years older or older, we're saying 60 or better. Better. Better is better, better. Listen, there's a reason why we're hosting this event. Um, 
I have just this special place in my heart for um, worship. And, you know, in our churches and many churches across, across the world, um, we tend to lean towards the more modern worship and that which is going to minister more to younger generations and stuff like that. And, and we need that. We need to do that. But there comes a time every once in a while where those of us who have our memories attached to certain songs, maybe they bring back a sense of gratitude because Jesus did something when that song was popular. Maybe we got born again when this song was popular. And that's our main reason for coming together. The meal is just a fringe benefit because you you got to (laughs) eat. And so uh, please, while you're here tonight, go to the desk and go sign up. Okay, Um, listen, you're free to bring a guest if you like, as long as they fall into that category of 60 and better. Okay, you're welcome to bring a guest. Just please let us know that you're coming. Please let us know if you're bringing a guest so that we know how to prepare. Amen. Amen. We're really looking forward to this being a very special time. And we hope that you'll come and experience it with us. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you. You're dismissed.